Welcome in to the At The Yard Podcast presented by Prep Baseball Report California. We've got a special show for you today. We're going to go inside the dugout with CIF champion head coaches Eric Morton from Great Oak, Chris Malik of Santa Margarita, and John Weber of Cypress High School as they discuss their team's path towards a CIF championship. We'll be right back with that show. Welcome into the At The Art Podcast presented by Prep Baseball Report California. Leading things off for us today is Great Oak Head Coach Eric Morton. Morty, what a treat to have you, man, especially coming off this past weekend. Let me ask you, right out the gate, has it sunk in yet? I mean, you guys are CIF D3 champs. Well, you know, the funny thing, really it hasn't because, honestly, I haven't had any free time since the game's been over. Uh, After the game, I... Drove home. I tried to just respond to you know all the texts I got, and uh, right from there I went to my son's JV banquet. So they were getting honored. So I went to the banquet, got home. I was just drained, fell asleep. Sunday, uh, we had our banquet, uh, varsity banquet, and uh, got home. And then <laughs> the last two days, honestly, I've been at Disneyland with my family. Nice. So you win a championship and you go to Disneyland. I like it. So. That would have been kind of classic. They asked what we were doing, and then I would have said, "Hey, I'm going to Disneyland with, you know." So, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So let, let's let's talk about Saturday. You know, obviously, you guys won the championship there in the Vision Three over La Cañada, seven zero game, and uh, you know, was one big inning. But prior to that, there was a couple of anxious moments in that game, and. I mean, Cameron maybe, I mean, pitched, he was lights out on the mound for you and at the plate. We'll get to that in a second. But just tell us a little bit about maybe's performance on the mound and how that, I mean, how that really fired your guys up. Yeah, I mean, he's a, uh, he's a four-year varsity guy. And, you know, he just competes like crazy. And the kids just feed off him, the other guys on the team. And, you know, right from the get-go, you know, him pounding the zone, you know, the, the three up, three down after we went three up, three down, you know, in the top of the first, just kind of set the tone. Um, and what I love about Cam, and I know our defensive guys have said it before, is, is he just pounds the zone. So, you know, they're always ready to go, you know, defensively. It's, it's really easy to play defense behind him. Um, sorry, I'm getting a phone call. I'm going <laughs> to. Um, but anyways, I, uh, you know, it, it was a treat to uh, to watch. Yeah, no doubt. There was there was one moment there. I want to say it was either the bottom of the third or the fourth, and La Cañada was threatening at second and third, I believe. And and you know Connor Buchanan, their big number three guy, came up and 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 maybe was able to get him get out of that jam. And he was incredibly fired up coming off the mound. And it seemed like that really triggered things because I think it was the next inning. You guys, you know, really broke the game open. On his big hit, big play, yeah, I, the bunt. What was pretty cool about it is, you know, after he hit that like 500 foot foul ball, I think that might have been the at bat. You know, their whole uh, their whole side was up and cheering, and then our side got up and cheering, and then uh, Cam ended up striking him out, and that was just a huge boost. I mean, you should have saw our dugout. They, you know, they just erupted, and and obviously the you know the sticks came back came back. Yeah, and and. and uh, 
the sticks came back thanks in part to i mean a, a bunt single right i mean cam yeah. leads things off there and and the offense just erupts and you know it was just a great performance for him on the mound and you know for your offense i was, I was looking up some numbers and you know seven of the last 10 games you guys scored six runs or more and if you look at what you guys did in the postseason you guys outscored opponents 31 and 5 31 to 5 mm-hmm. you know and that includes a 4 to 3 win over northview i mean the offense just really seemed to get going for you late in the season yeah it did you know we had some guys that that really picked it up in the playoffs and you know i was doing some you know some thinking on the way up there and i don't think there was an inning this year in the postseason where we actually trailed um so What's been great about our offense is, is we scored early and we scored often and, and we never looked back. So we never had to play catch up, you know, all five games in the postseason. But it really, you know, we had, you know, guys, uh, you know, like like our number two hitter, Josh Payne, our second baseman, who who had a great postseason. Our third baseman, Jonas Sebring, um, you know, huge postseason. Uh, Luke Jepson, I mean, you saw what he did in the finals. He goes three for three, you know, and. Uh, we just had some guys that that just really picked up their game that that I mean, it, it was just quality to see. And plus, we had the guys, you know, that had big year for us all year. You know, Isaiah Lopez, Zach Arnold, you know, Cam, maybe those guys have been kind of steady all year. But it was the, you know, the other guys that really, you know, stepped up and produced. Yeah, it was nice to see, you, you know, you mentioned Pano there, and it was nice to see you kind of struggled a little bit this year, but, you know, that game in particular, you had, a, you know, an RBI hit there in the, in the championship game. So it was nice to see him really pick it up towards the end of the season. And that performance by Jepson, that three-for-three three performance, that was something else. I mean, that guy came clutch for you in the biggest biggest game of the year. Yeah, he did. And he was a guy that, that like I said earlier, he <laughs> he ended up breaking his leg on Halloween night and uh you know struggled and 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 honestly i didn't know if uh, we'd have him back this year and then he you know after his surgery you know he had pins in his legs and 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 he actually healed very very quick and and about halfway into the year in fact i think it was the 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 narco double header uh in april where we played him in a double header he was actually able to play so you know we put him out there the first game and he looked pretty good and you know i sat him the second game just because i didn't want to you know push it too early and you know ever since then you know he kept getting stronger and stronger and he recovered a little bit easier and um you know he did a great job for us yeah and and morty i look at the schedule you put together this year and every year you put a very challenging schedule together and i love that you started with the pirate classic down in san diego to get a little feel right for just kind of out of area teams and what they're doing but schedule you put together is no joke obviously the southwestern league is one of the finest mm-hmm. uh but you know your spring break tournament was absolutely loaded the pirate classic did you have a feeling that this year's team could be a special team and you wanted to challenge them you know maybe a little bit more out the gate yeah um you know i i actually did that in the winter too um you know, when, you know, when I schedule my winter, you know, I don't care if we go, we go 0 20 in the winter. I want to find out how our guys stack up against the big boys, you know? So, you know, we'll go out, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go over to Jay Sarah and play, you know, play a couple games, you know, against Brett. Um, you know, we try to find all the top D one teams that that'll go out there or even come to great Oak. Um, and then obviously, you know, we do our, our Norco, you know, double header who we play every year. 
And then I like, you know, personally, I like the the pirate tournament just because I was born and raised in San Marcos. I coached down at San Marcos High School, and I still got, you know, I'm good friends with a lot of those coaches down there. So it's good. It's always good to to play against them. And and then obviously the the spring break Boris Classic. Holy smokes! I mean, you're playing, <laughs> you know, the best team. So the whole point is, I want our guys uh, facing the competition. I want to seeing what the good teams can do, and that way, come playoff time, we're not. Uh, you know, number one, scared of any team and, 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 you know, just, I want our guys prepared. So there wasn't a pitcher this postseason we haven't faced, whether it was a, you know, a hard throwing right-hander or a soft throwing left-hander. We saw them all at some point during this season. Yeah, Morty, and I think, you know, you and I have known each other for a while now, and I think that's one of the things I appreciate about what you do is, you know, a lot of the games that I see you guys play is during that winter, that late fall winter season. Uh, you right. do spend a lot of time in, in Orange County playing, you know, some of these, you know, perceived top 10 teams or whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I really like that approach. And then you guys go out to the Palm Desert, you know, in, yep. in December, that's that's a good mm-hmm. challenge as well. So let's take a look ahead, if you will, to next year. You know, you obviously, you, you are going to lose a lot of players to graduation, but the cupboard's not necessarily bear with what you have coming back uh you know some of the players you mentioned already you know in addition to to those guys ethan weyer had a pretty strong season for you mm-hmm. uh you know let tell us a little bit about what you have coming back and you know what you kind of hope to see happen next year yeah so you know we got uh you know i think we had 23 guys on the team really 22 could play uh we had a, a left-handed pitcher who was pretty much hurt all year with a knee injury um but we got you know 12 12 of our juniors coming back. Um, you know, obviously Ethan Ware, he was our, our first baseman when Cam pitched and then he DH when he didn't, he's a, he's a right-handed player. He didn't, he didn't pitch a whole lot cause we didn't need him, but he actually is a, uh, you know, a quality pitcher his freshman year. I think he was pitcher of the year for their team. Uh, we get our, uh, Isaiah Lopez back. He was a catcher along with Gabe Sandoval. So we have, you know, two quality catchers coming back. Um, outfield wise, obviously we got, uh, you know, our left field fielder, Jacob Fisher coming back. Um, our right fielder, uh, Luke Jepson. Um, we got Jordan Moskal in, in, you know, the big thing is, is, you know, we're going to replace the majority of our infield. Um, you know, we, we lose, uh, both, you know, Pano Arnold and, and Sebring and, and those were three really, really good infielders. But, um, you know, we got, uh, you know, Blake Bambrick, who actually was, uh, turned out to be our closer this year. He's a quality third baseman, Cooper Nemi. Uh, he's another guy that can play up the middle. Uh, Martin Castillo, who actually DH the, you know, during the playoffs, uh, when Cam pitched, uh, you know, he's a, he's a second baseman who didn't, uh, obviously get a ton of starts this year, but he's ready to go. And, uh, you know, what I really like though, too, is, you know, we got quite a few arms, you know, obviously with, with Cam leaving, that's going to be tough, but, um, you know, Shanahan was a senior, Cameron was a senior, Isaac Vasquez was a senior, uh, but we get probably 75% of our pitching staff back, which is great. And, um, you know, and, and I will say this, you know, our, our, both our JV and freshman team won the Southwestern league, uh, this past year. So, uh, they, they both had really good years. I'm excited. You know, um, you know, I see some of the, uh, the, you know, the sophomores and freshmen, uh, that played this year, I got a chance, you know, obviously to watch the JV anytime, you know, I could with my son playing and, and there's some, there's some quality sticks down there, uh, you know, good arms and, and guys that just play the game the right way. And and we got a few freshmen, I think down the road that are going to be pretty special. Yeah. Well, one thing we do know is that they will be, be tested and, and Morty, before I let you go, 
you guys made the Division Five finals in, in 06, and, and yep. you know you guys made your first trip back to a CIF final, and, and now it's a Division Three here in 2019. What have you seen? I mean, you, you've been, uh, with the exception of one year last year, the only head coach in Great Oak history. Um, what have you seen be somewhat some of the biggest changes in Southern Section baseball over the years? Uh, you know, going back to 06 when you guys made it into the D5 final to say this year? Well, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, the consistency right now, I mean, they're just, and I don't know if it's because of the, the amount of travel ball teams, but I mean, there are just, you know, so many quality teams out there, whether it was D3, whether it was D2, whether it was D1, um, just the amount of, of quality teams you see is, you know, it's just a lot more from maybe back in 06. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I thought your Belinda was, was a really, really good team. The team we played in the semifinals. I mean, they're, they're just a bunch of scrappers that played the game hard Northview. Holy smokes. I mean, they, they ran a couple arms out there. They were pretty good and, and obviously playing up there, but uh, just the amount of quality, you know, quality teams, um, I think has changed. Um, you know, one thing I do wish, uh, you know, I do wish at some point, you know, CIF would consider, you know, the, the whole seating situation in terms of who gets a home game and who has to travel. You know, I'm not a big fan of if, if both teams had the same amount of home games, you know, it comes down to a coin flip. Um, that was the one thing I really did love about San Diego, you know, when I was a coach down there, cause the higher seed got the home game and, uh, you know, so I'm, I can't remember, honestly, back in 06, if it was, you know, we were the higher seed, we got the home game, but I know over the, obviously the last years, it always came down to coin, coin flip. So, uh, but you know, the, the quality of teams is huge. You know, the coaching is good, obviously with, you know, with all the Twitter and, you know, coverage like PBR that you guys do, you know, you're, you're able to scout probably a little bit more where you can uh, Google somebody and, you know, see some, uh, you know, some, some info. That was the only way I saw Graves is I just kind of Googled, uh, Ryan Graves and got to see him pitch, you know, for about four minutes, which was cool. So that way you can kind of, you know, show your players. Yeah. It's interesting how that element of the high school game has evolved, right? Do people think that the advanced scouting is left for the colleges and, and for the pro ranks, but I mean, that's not the case because it's getting down to the high school. It's been down in the high school ranks now where, I mean, anybody worth their salts out, you know, doing some advanced scouting. Yep. Hey, Morty, and one last thing, and I don't know if you followed this closely or not. It sounds like based on your schedule that night you didn't. But after the game, you know, I was down on the field with you and Coach Malik from Santa Margarita came over and you said something that proved to be pretty prophetic. And that was, hey, this is a lucky dugout. Go right. get them. And, and I don't know if you followed it, but every team was yeah. the visiting team that won it and was in that dugout. Yeah, you know, I did. And, and I told my coaches, you know, when I got – you know, we had the, I think the, the seating meeting that went, or the, the info meeting that Wednesday. And I said, uh, I go, well, uh, you know, we're, we're visitors, uh, Santa Margarita, you know, is visitors in, in Cyprus, uh, lost the coin flip visitors, uh, too. I said, Hey, maybe that's going to be the lucky dugout today. So, um, you know, I, uh, it was kind of that lucky guess, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, man. It, pro- it proved to be prophetic, man. But, hey, Morty, I'm really, really grateful for you making some time. I know it's been a whirlwind the last few days, so I really appreciate you making time coming on the podcast and sharing some thoughts with us. Oh, man, anytime. I mean, I appreciate everything you do. Last week, you know, we've known each other a long time, going back to our golf days at our golf tournament. And, you know, what you guys do at PBR is pretty cool. You know, I follow you guys re- re- uh, religiously on Twitter and 
um, you guys are good for high school, man. And, and I know our players appreciate it. And, you know, I know a lot of the high school guys out here really do. So keep up the good work, man. Thanks, buddy. Can't thank you enough for that. We'll talk real soon. All right, buddy. Thanks. We'll be right back with Santa Margarita head coach Chris Malik. Welcome back to the At The Yard podcast presented by Prep Baseball Report California. I'm really excited uh, to bring you our next guest. He is a second-year head coach at Santa Margarita. His team is coming off the CIF Division II Championship on Saturday, a game that went 12 innings uh, in a 1-0 win over Norco High School. Uh, I'm pleased to be joined by Coach Chris Malik. Coach, thanks for making some time. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, looking forward to it, Les. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about that game. I mean, 12 innings, uh, you know, what a better way to win it. I mean, a 1-0, 12-inning game. I guess the only thing that maybe would have made it sweeter were uh, were if it was a walk-off, right? You know, I don't know. Uh, you know the experience of euphoria that's going on right now and the buzz that the kids have, the buzz around the campus, it's um, – that baseball game was, was epic uh, on both sides. Um, Norco played a, a tremendous ball game. Our guys played a tremendous ball game. It's a shame somebody had to lose. It was, it could have gone either way, and it was a battle. It was a dogfight. It was uh, what high school baseball is all, all about. Both sides wanted that game really bad, and we were fortunate uh, to come up uh, with a win. And gosh, no, I, I, at that point in the game, I didn't even know what inning it was. It was – it was a long baseball game, but a, but a uh, a lot of fun to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, I was sitting there with a couple of uh, colleagues of mine, and we got into I think the fifth, and, and you know, one of them looked over at me and he says, "This game's going ten. and I said, "Oh man, I hope not." But just because the tension of that game, I couldn't imagine being in the dugout. I mean, it had it seemed like every pitch had so much pressure. You know, certainly the later in the game, but even starting in about the fourth, fifth inning when it was still scoreless. Not a lot of offense. The pitchers in the game were unbelievable. They were. I mean, from from both sides of it. Shoot, you walk into the ball um, to the ball game. You got the, you know the 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 whole Dodger Stadium, the CIF Finals, all the magnitude of the game, and just you know the location, just everything that kind of goes into it. And, and you got these 17, 18 year old young men on the mound that are just composed mature and just attack in the zone and, and it was it was a um it was a tremendous performance by matt mcclure um michael forbes pitched a, a tremendous eight innings and then spencer edwards and um martin delgado threw the through the ball extremely well out of the bullpen it was like two different starts from two different from from two different guys on both sides you know you could cut the he cut the tension with a knife. It was it was impressive what those kids were able to do and just to manage, you know, working out of a couple of jams on both sides of things, you know, executing pitches, attacking the zone. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better pitch ball game on, on both ends in a high school atmosphere like that. No, it was certainly something something to witness. I mean, it, it was awesome. Let's stay with your pitchers. Uh, you know, you mentioned both of your guys, McClure and Edwards, there, who you know got the job done for you on Saturday. But let's start with McClure. 
I mean, he's a guy who has just been steady Eddie, it seems like, for you all season. Uh, and he came up huge in, in that game uh, before, you know, obviously being pulled there for, for uh, Edwards to relieve him. But just talk about kind of what he's been for you this year and, and really how he elevated his game there in the postseason. It was impressive. You know, um, you could see some of the experience that, that he, he had gotten over the past couple of years. He was good for us last year, really good as a sophomore in a starting role, and this year was no different. Um, he threw the ball really well all season. Um, had two tougher outings against Mountain Point and Jay Sarah, but outside of that, it was it was a special year. He attacks his own. He's got a tremendous changeup. His curveball just keeps getting better and better. He's developing a little bit of a slider. And then in the playoffs, you just saw another animal. I mean, he went 17 innings in the playoffs and didn't give up an earned run. I mean, that kind of thing is, is just something special. And he, he and, and I think it's a, it's a testament to what kind of young man he is. He just, you know, very um, he's very competitive, but he has that ability to to just kind of um, stay in the moment, enjoy the moment with his teammates play selfless baseball and he's just a he's just a born winner it's a credit to his family it's a credit to to the work that the kids put in um but the way he he pitched throughout the playoffs was just fun to watch and, and you could see the excitement and, and and our team fed off of it and he really set set the tone you know shoot he pitched games two four and six of the playoffs and and it was it was lights out yeah, he made one play where it was a little comeback or a little PFP there, and he threw the guy out at first. And I mean, he really let the emotion show on the after that play. And you see, you know, the middle infielder guys really pick up on that, and then it kind of trickled into the outfield. So that was really exciting to see. And I'm glad you brought him up as a sophomore because that's the first time I saw him was at Modern Day last year uh, in a league game, and and man, he was really good there. So. It's just really exciting from my standpoint, you know, on the outside looking in to see his continued development because, I mean, here's a guy who physically is nowhere near a finished product, right? I mean, he's got some room to add significant amount of weight and strength. You know, he's 6'4", 6'5", 165 pounds. You know, there's a lot of room for growth. He's always thrown strikes. His arm works He's got a little bit of a funky delivery where he, he, he gets his le- you know his his front leg elevated pretty high, but you know his velocity just continues to, to kind of take that slow growth as his as he kind of matures a little bit. But there's so much more room in there um, for him to, to to keep getting better as he adds weight and just kind of gets an understanding um, of his breaking ball and how to do, how to develop that a little bit more. His changeups off the charts. Um, but he's done a special job. You know, you mentioned that uh, outing that he had at Modern Day last year. That was his first Trinity League environment. And when you get into that Trinity League kind of game, it's a playoff-type atmosphere. And to him have that composure early on, he's maintained that kind of um, effort, that attitude, and, you know, throughout his, the course of his, you know, all the way through this year and extended into the playoffs. But um, I think he's going to be, you know, a, a 25 game kind of winner in uh, collegiate baseball for somebody. I think he's just, he's got that winning attitude. He's got that it factor that you just kind of want. Um, you, you want to play defense behind him. He keeps the guys engaged and, and he, you feed off of his energy. Yeah. The other guy that, that seems to have the it factor for you is Spencer Edwards. I mean, I remember talking to him at the Trinity league media day and, was so impressed with just how composed he is, how professional he was during that session, and how well-spoken and obviously a very bright kid going to Cornell. But, 
he came in, Chris, and had, I mean, his performance was arguably one of the best on the day of any pitcher, uh, uh, you know, let alone coming in to close out the championship game. Talk a little bit about Edwards and, you know, his role this year and kind of how he's elevated his game as well heading into the postseason. You know, Spencer, the last couple of years was a reliever for us. He saw the potential. I remember the first time I saw him pitch was at ML King in the fall of his sophomore year. I was like, wow, this guy has a, has a good arm. He's got a good frame on him, tall shoulder, you know, wide shoulders. He's, he, he's got this, you know, this is going to be somebody that's going to be really good. Um, he struggled a little bit with his command, his, his sophomore and kind of into his junior year. You saw flashes of what he could become, but just developing that consistency and that consistency with his velocity, it fluctuated at times um, the last couple of years. And then this year he, he, he came in and, in the winter and it was what we saw kind of in the playoffs. He was lights out. He had this different look in his eyes. His velocity started to stay more consistent. He attacked the zone more consistently. You know, he just really matured into what we what we were you know envisioning that he could become. We saw that belief, and and he just continued to stay with it, and and ultimately made himself into it. He put a lot of hard work into the weight room. Um, you know, committing to Cornell over the summer, I think, took a little bit of the some of the pressure off of trying to find hey where that future is going to lead. Um, and then this year, he was one of one of our three starting pitchers that we used throughout the course of the season, and he was just as good as as as. Um, Matthew and Alex Schreier. I mean, all three of them were, were really, really good for us all year. And it made a tough decision when it came down to playoff time, who's going to be pitching out of the bullpen and kind of deciding, Hey, who, who can do it? We trusted all three of them to do it. And we had seen Spencer kind of do it a couple of times this year in the last couple of years and know that he's kind of got a little bit of experience. It was a difficult conversation and difficult decision to kind of go, all right, Spencer, you're going to be in the bullpen when he's done so well. Um, but he, he took it, he owned it, and he was unreal in the playoffs. Didn't give up a run. Um, two innings against Kaiser that were just like you saw this look in his eye that I'm just going after him. And it was two really clean quality innings. Came back the following week against Damian with the same kind of inning. And then later that week um, against uh, El Segundo to close out that ball game. It was it was just different. And then, you know, in, in, the, in the finals, it was more the same and just an, uh, uh, an outing I'll never forget the rest of my life. Six and two thirds. One one hit. I don't think a runner get past first base on him to come in with the bases loaded in the in the sixth inning with one out and to be able to punch that guy out at Dodger Stadium and just walk right in and said, "Hey, I'm going after you." Wham! And he he threw the ball extremely well. I couldn't be more proud of him. Um, he just keeps getting better, and Cornell's going to get a really really good pitcher. Um, I think he's got the, the ability to do really well in that league and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, one day get the opportunity to pitch professionally, just the way his frame sits, the way his arm works and just kind of the way that, that his, his, his career is trending. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up, you know, him being a really good pitcher in that league, because that league has produced plenty of professional ball players, And it's easy to envision with, like you said, his frame, the arm action, but it's the competitiveness, right? When he came in with that situation, bases loaded, one out. I mean, the game was on the line at that point with Norco being the home team. 
when he got that punch out, then that ground out, man, that your fans absolutely erupted. And you could see the momentum just kind of shifting back over to your dugout, which, you know, is just really neat as a fan and just as somebody there who's there to evaluate players and just a fan of baseball, just to watch young guys come into the situation like that and compete was, was really impressive. It's exciting. You know, that, that moment right there, um, you know, he was, he was excited coming off the, off of, off the mound. Our dugout was excited. That was a huge situation. You know, um, the way that, that their pitcher Forbes was throwing the ball game, it was going to be difficult to, if we gave up a run in that situation, it was going to be really difficult to, to, to try to piece one, one together off of him, let alone potentially two or three, you know, in the, in the top of the seventh inning. So for, for that moment, it was a huge turning point in the ball game. And Spencer just after that, like he took a lot of some of that worry out just because he never really allowed them to, to create, create a threat. And that's just a credit to how he threw the ball game. Um, but that was just certainly a huge moment just with that bases loaded situation coming in. Um, you know, his first pitch in a major league stadium, he's got bases loaded, uh, a tie ball game in a CIF championship. Um, <laughs> I I wouldn't been able to, he was able to do there. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I I tried to put myself in that same situation, and I chose just to not do that altogether. <laughs> So then, Chris, obviously the big hit came off the bat of, of Milan Tolentino, your shortstop, headed to UCLA. Uh, I mean, I thought he got it. And and Forbes, who had shifted to right field by that time, made just an absolutely spectacular catch. And, and, and I think the moment hit him, as soon as he released the ball to throw it back in the dugout, because he put his hands on his knees and just kind of looked defeated at that point. You know, obviously the run came in to score to give you guys a 1-0 lead in the 12th. Uh, Milan, I mean, we know Milan, obviously, a PBR. A lot of fans of high school baseball and college baseball and pro baseball, for that matter, are aware of who Milan is. But what is he, what's it been like coaching a guy that talented who, at least on the surface and the outside looking in, looks like a completely humble team player type kid. He's just a good kid. Um, that's that's the best way to kind of describe it. It's, it's he shows up and you can see his excitement just to play baseball every day. You know, it's just like a, a six year old showing up to t-ball practice where he just has that like, oh, this is so much fun to be here. And you can see how much fun he has. You can see how much fun he has when he takes ground balls, uh, when he works through his swing. But he's also very, you know. He has a desire to learn. He wants to get better. You know, he, he like most players, he has a desire to you know to compete. You know, at the highest level in major leagues one day. But but he doesn't take away from the fact that like this is a game and this is fun, and, and it's an infectious energy that that other people feed off of. You see him get genuinely excited when when others do well. Um, it's it's he shows a, a great deal of maturity for such a young man. And for 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 all the the attention, the accolades that he, that he receives, he's just a kid that just enjoys playing baseball, and and um, you, you can't help but want to be around it. You know, myself, it's fun to coach players that just want to learn and want to get better. And we're fortunate to have uh, a lot of them, and you know, Milan, you know, being one of them, uh, where where they just enjoy being around each other, enjoy sharing each other's success. Um, guys that are on the bench, guys that are in the lineup so forth they just really enjoy being around and, and Milan um is far beyond his years with with how he, he he's able to do that his character his makeup um 
is off the charts, but bottom line, he's just a kid that just loves to play baseball and, and, and he's blessed with some super uber talented, uh, physical skills that, that, that people want to watch and kind of, you know, see eventually at the collegiate and professional level. And, um, I'm looking forward to, you know, getting to spend another year with him and then, um, eventually, you know, watch his career as he progresses on through college and into the professional ranks. Yeah, definitely a special talent. Chris, let me take you back to January 30th. Trinity League Media Day at Modern Day. One of the questions that that I asked you there was, you know, what is the goal for you this year? What is kind of the focus for you uh, this year? And, you know, one of the things that you talked about in in your response was, you know, being that your players are young players, uh, that they haven't had the chance to experience a whole lot of success at Santa Margarita, and that Winning is something that you have to learn, right? And, and that your goal was uh, that you can teach that to your players, something that you learned coming up through the Yankee system, you know, teaching your players how to learn. Where are you in that process? Obviously, somebody would say, well, they've learned that, right? They just won CIF. But it's more than just winning one title is my guess that you're in this for. Uh, uh, but where are you in the process of, you know, passing that on to your players, teaching them what it takes to win. I mean, and, and we're talking about the off the field stuff as well. Uh, but where, you know, where are you in that process? How do you feel, uh, you know, that process is going, obviously I'm assuming pretty well given the, the results from Saturday. You know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to completely answer this question because, you know, 25 years from now, we'll have a good idea of where we are. If the process worked, you know, ultimately, you know, we talked to our players at the players and parents at the beginning of the year, and and our goal from from the onset is to teach them how to be successful husbands, fathers, and, and contributors to society. And we get to teach that through the sport of baseball, um, something that they're very passionate about right now. Hopefully, um, and teaching them the day to day grind. You know, and sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it is easy. Sometimes. It, it, you go through the peaks and valleys and the ups and downs, you know, just, just as, as, as life is, as relationship is, and as with your kids and how to be able to kind of, you know, work through all the different things that, that life will, uh, will, will, will take you through. And ultimately through the season, you know, we saw a lot of microcosms, you know, that'll hopefully prepare these young men, you know, for life. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's teaching these boys, you know, through baseball, you know, Hey, how, hey, what's it, how's this going to, affect you as life kind of uh, goes on but teaching the daily habits of of what it takes to be successful um you know part of it is just you know developing you know some mental toughness developing um how to care how to show respect how to show that somebody else that you love them so how to show somebody and talk to somebody else that hey these aren't going right these are going well and just being able to communicate those kinds of things you know the fundamental principles of how to swing a bat and how to catch a ground ball and how to throw a pitch are just kind of um, rather rather small in the grand scheme of the principles that we wanted to teach. So, you know, ultimately, you know, 20 years from down the road, you know, um, pray that, you know, hey, these kids, you know, get get the opportunity to, you know, build a family of their own and, and be successful in whatever endeavor that they do choose, you know. Um, the thing that I learned, you know, put a great deal in my career, just, hey, I want to play in the big leagues one day. But we're all former players a lot longer than we are players. So hopefully teaching them the the values that it's going to take for them to be success, successful. And um, I think that they have some of these things. It's a never-ending thing. I think it's kind of a lot like parenthood where you never fully stop worrying about 
about your about your kids and 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 wanting to see them succeed and you know they're going to go through some failures they're going to go through some things so where we're at in the process is just it's continued involvement you know now we've kind of get to have some some different kind of conversations on what it takes to sustain some success and being able to teach that that principle on how to be able to stay hungry and how to be able to stay competitive and how to be able to to continue to work at the relationships and continue to grow um so we'll, we'll end up having some different conversations this summer and into next year um but i'm looking forward to them it's just different set of, it's, it'll be a different set of challenges um but they're all good things that'll hopefully you know prepare these young men for, for life yeah, I like what you said there that, you know, we'll know the answer 20 years down the road. I once had a longtime head coach tell me, uh, you know, this guy had been coaching 35, 40 years. He said, when I first started getting invitations to players' weddings, I started to think maybe we're doing something right. So uh, there, there's generally a telltale sign, right, for, for coaches as to, hey, we might be on to something here. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the cooler experiences this year, um, I coached the junior college level, One of the, well, a couple of players um, one invited me to his graduation from the police academy. The other one um, finished up at uh, a, um, at the Air Force Academy. And it's just neat to be able to kind of go to their families' houses and share in that experience and just kind of go, hey, you know, you develop this relationship that you just want to see these kids beyond, you know, um, what you do on the field this year and just creating the, these tight bonds. That's, that's what means something to me. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, Winning a CIF title is a really great experience, but hopefully being able to maintain these kinds of relationships for the next 25, 30 years and see them, you know, grow and, and continue to, to want you to be a part of their life is, is, a, is a really good thing. Yeah, no question. Let, let, let's fast forward a little bit, Chris, and let's look ahead, if you will, at next year. I mean, it's never too soon, right? <laughs> uh, you know, you obviously you lose some stalwarts on the mound, right? You, you lose Schreier, uh, you lose Edwards to graduation, both guys moving on to play collegiately. Uh, you bring back McClure on the mound, and you you get an, another very good arm back, and uh, and Ethan Flanagan, who who you know missed the season because of an arm injury, but still uh, swung the bat for you really well. So let's take you know. And then obviously Tolentino comes back. Uh, you bring him back, Gianola, Carroll. I mean, you bring back a lot of parts of this championship winning team. What are you thinking? Uh, you know, might be some of the areas of strength, maybe an area of concern for you. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, what's it going to take for Santa Margarita to repeat? You know, for, for, for us, it's just kind of getting back to, to, the, to the drawing board of, of um, you know, developing our players, developing, you know, from, from the individual standpoint, you know, the skills, skills where it's individual defense, um, understanding how to work within a team, team environment and so forth. We've got a lot of really good players. We're going to return 21 players that were in the dugout um, from, 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 uh, at Dodger Stadium on Saturday. Um, nine of the 10 players that were in the starting lineup are going to be returning. And we've got some, 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 young, we've got some players that, that got a lot of good quality experience this year at the varsity level, um, that, uh, we're looking to continue to hopefully develop and, 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 and continue to play a larger role and, and, and get more opportunities. We've got some good young players that are coming up from the, from the freshman and JV teams that, that we're excited about. And we want to see, you know, eventually experience some of these kinds of things as well. Um, certainly it's going to be difficult to, um, you know, replace what, what Alex Schreier and and Spencer Edwards did on the mound. They did a tremendous job, uh, you know, ate up a hundred and 
and 20 innings or so uh, for us this year, which is certainly, you know, uh, a great chunk of, of, the, of the innings. Uh, but we've got some good young pitchers. You know, you mentioned one of them, Ethan Flanagan, that's, that, that's a, that we didn't, didn't throw any innings this year, that, that we're excited about seeing him get back on the mound. Um, Cade Connolly was huge for us down the stretch um, in the relief role. Roger Thomas has some exceptional stuff, um, a really good breaking ball. Um, and, and he's just going to continue to get better. Matthew Porches is another young right-handed pitcher that, that was up with us, you know, through 10 to 10 to 15 innings over the course of the, uh, the year, learned a lot, sitting right next to our pitching coach throughout the, the entire playoff run, helped chart pitches and understanding, Hey, what it's going to take. But there's a lot of really good young guys, you know, coming up that, that are going to kind of continue to grow, continue to develop and, um, position players. We're, we're fortunate that, um, you know, we've got a great deal coming back, how it's all going to shake out. Um, not sure yet, just started kind of working on our calendar and we're going to get into our player meetings and just kind of, uh, slow it down and, and, and take each player and go, Hey, you know, this is what you need to do continue to get better and hopefully reach their goals. A lot of our kids have a great desire to, to compete at the collegiate level. We want to help them um, continue to, to work towards that and eventually, you know, reach that, um, reach that plateau. Um, but that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. We're still very early in the process and just kind of started, you know, working on the scheduling for next year, you know, today. So, um, I'm excited about it though. I'm excited to get back to work with these guys. I'm excited to get on the field with these guys. It's so much fun to be around. They work hard. Um, they've got an infectious energy with them and, and we think that, um, they're getting, they're capable of doing some special things, but there's a lot of work that that's got to go into it. There's a lot of good clubs that, that, that we're eventually going to, you know, face over the next year and a year, next full year. So, um, we got to get better for sure. Um, we got to continue to grow and continue to, to set our sights at, at, at improving. The future, the future is certainly bright for Santa Margarita Eagles. And coach, one last question from me. Have you gotten used to the sound of CIF champion coach, Chris Malik? I don't know if, you'll, if you're ever going to do it. Um, ultimately, you know, my, my belief, I wanted to slow things down and be able to see the kids celebrate and seeing their joy, seeing their jubilation, seeing their excitement. Um, that was, was that's what's special to me and just really neat, you know, just the bus ride home, seeing them sing together and, and be able to share in that kind of moment and just tell the kids how much I love them, how much I appreciate them. Um, that that part is something special and something that I'm going to remember for a long time. Uh, but ultimately, you know, um, we've got some great kids and um, I just love them to death. Awesome. Well, Chris, I, I can't thank you enough for making time here just a couple of days after winning the championship uh, to come on the podcast and share your thoughts on your team and take a look ahead. So appreciate it. Really looking forward to seeing you out and about this summer and uh, can't thank you enough for coming on. Thanks for having me, Les. I appreciate it. We'll be right back with Cypress head coach John Weber. Welcome back to the At The Yard Podcast presented by Prep Baseball Report California. I'm really excited about our next guest. Uh, he is coming off a CIF Division I championship on Saturday. Uh, John Weber, head coach at Cypress, joins us. Webb, thanks for making some time, man. I know you were on a few weeks ago. Uh, this time, uh, you have a little extra hardware in your uh, suitcase, don't you? Yes, I do. Thanks, Les, for having me. 
It's always a pleasure chatting with you, just like it was a couple of weeks ago. But yes, very nice. Yeah, well, let, let's let's jump into that, man. Uh, you know, we talked a few weeks ago when the brackets came out, and we talked about you know obviously Cypress had won you know some Division Two titles. Uh, you know now you're you're up in the gauntlet the, that the gauntlet that is the CIF Division One uh, playoff bracket here in the Southern section, and you know we, we had a lot we talked about a lot of different things last time, but this time I just want to focus on this run to the championship web because from an outsider's perspective. I mean, this was something really impressive. You know, it started off with a 5-2 win over Servite. Uh, and then, you know, the big game there being the 2-1 win over Capitol Valley, a game I saw you at. And, uh, you, you know, you, you rode your horses there on the mound in Wozniak and Rapetti. Take us through that playoff run and, and just kind of, you know, what that was like just from your perspective. Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. Um you know, we gave up five runs in the five games, and two of them were the first game against Servite. So I'm not a math major, but that means we gave up two runs in over four games. Um, tough to lose when you don't give up very many runs or no runs. Cameron Rapetti and, um, and Brett Wozniak pitched every inning of those five games and were impeccable. I mean, they were, they were, they were really, really good. Cameron started off the first game against Servite a little bit shaky. Uh, I think I said to you before, uh, maybe not on a podcast, but my opinion and, and my years of doing this, the first game is really the hardest game to win. Uh, the excitement, the nervousness, uh, the understanding that it's a one-and-done system, and that one's really, really difficult to win. And Cameron, not to take anything away from Servite because you know those guys are my buddies and they did a really good job and their players had a really, did a really good job and I think they had a really good game plan. But Cameron was out of sorts just just from a not not whether he executed pitches or not, but was just really out of sorts as a human being. And uh, then Waz came in and finished up good. And then then we yeah, we move on to Capitol Valley and we started Waz and, you know, he, they grinded some at bats against him. And then Cameron came in and shut the door. And then you moved to Yukaipa and Cameron was spectacular. I mean, I think he threw 72 pitches in a CG ball game. And he was as clean as I've ever seen him. And then the grind against La Mirada, the nine-inning grind against La Mirada, um, with Wozniak throwing, uh, you know, uh, four and a, four and one third, and then Rapetti coming in and going four and two thirds, and for us to win that game, one nothing. And then on to uh, Harvard Westlake, where those guys split time again. And Cameron, all we had for Cameron in that final game was uh, was five and a third inning. And he was pretty spectacular. I think they really only hit one ball hard uh, off of him. And then Waz came in and shut the door. Yeah, just watching you guys, having the opportunity to see you guys twice in that postseason run, as mentioned, Capo Valley, and then obviously the championship game against Harvard-Westlake. What really impressed me was, A, the fact that you, you ran through that gauntlet with two arms. Uh, and I mean, let's face it, two pretty special uh, high school arms, no doubt. Uh, but just the way everybody uh, that was on the field just seemed, you know, they were dialed in from the second the first pitch left the pitcher's hand to the final out. And, and I go back to that Capitol Valley game. I mean, that was a nothing-nothing game going into the sixth. And, I mean, at that point, that's anyone's ball game. You know, you get the big hit there from Luke Davis, uh, who came up clutch for you again on Saturday. But, 
you know, just the what is it about this team that I mean, the term brotherhood in sports obviously is often used. In my opinion, it's it's somewhat overused. But mm-hmm. in the case of the Cypress Centurions in 2019, I mean, these guys have been together so long. It's like they know what each guy's going to do before the guy does it. Yeah, you're right. And I, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of that football mentality of brotherhood and, and family and all that. And I, I'm not anti any of that by any means. Um, there has to be some, I use the word cohesiveness amongst each other. I tell our kids all the time, man, you don't have to like the guy. I mean, I played with, played baseball a long time, and I didn't like everybody on my team, and, and that's fine. You don't have to do that, but you got to respect everybody, and you got to respect what everyone is doing, and and know that at the end of the day, whether I like you or not, when we're on the field, man, we're fighting for the same cause. And at the end of the day, I think that was really what for me this group was really about. You know, I think I shared with you on a personal level, on a side note, um, you know some of the issues we had with this group. And there was a lot. Um, I, I've always said that winning is fun. And uh, this year was the first time in my entire life I told these guys that winning is not fun because I don't even like being around them. It was that bad at one point with this group. And it was just not the way we were playing. It was just the way they were being young men. They were being not really good young men, to be honest with you, and and not really good teammates to each other and not really good human beings, really. And and uh, so we, we, we had to fight through some of that. Um, meanwhile, still winning just because we're a pretty talented group. And, uh, and then, you know, when you get into the playoffs, so you start making a run towards the end of the season into the playoffs. I think a lot of that stuff, um, which I would refer to as just being a kid or being a ding dong kid, um, kind of gets thrown to the wayside. And, and then they start to realize what you try to teach them, all of us as coaches about fighting for the same cause at the end of the day. And, um, and yeah, this group has been together a long time. You know, there is a, you know, Davis is a garden Grove kid, but pretty much every single other kid on that team, they've played together forever and they're all Cypress kids. Um, so there's not transfers and outside guys really in this group. And so there, there, there is a lot of camaraderie with each other. And, and, and with that, and with that, you have to realize, just like in your own family, you know, when when everyone grows up and we've been together for 20, 30 years, you know, and we spend a lot of time with each other, we're going to have our ups and downs and disagreements and such. And so th- there, there's part of that with this group because they have been playing together. You know, we just had our banquet um, the, the next day on Sunday after winning it. And, you know, at the banquet, this the one most important part of the banquet usually is the video and to see, see the video of like Michael Marsh and, 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 uh, Braden Murphy at five-year-olds playing on the same little league team, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's how far back these kids go with each other. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And it's not something that unfortunately we see too much of, uh, these days, right? I mean, you have kids transferring, going to different schools, going to private schools, going to different public schools. And, you know, it's really refreshing to see that. And it's even more refreshing for this particular group, because as you've shared with me, Webb, you know, two years ago, these guys from a w- one loss standpoint, they were the worst team you've ever had at Cyprus just two seasons ago. 
And then yeah. they turn it around and they do something that, you know, you said this on Saturday night after the game. And the more I think about it, uh, the more I tend to agree with you. I mean, they did something in winning 31 games against this schedule that I just don't know who is going to be able to repeat that, right? So, I mean, what what happened over those two couple of years you know, with these guys, with your coaching staff, with just the program in general, that you go from 17 wins and being the worst team ever to 31 wins and being champs of arguably the hardest division to win in baseball in the state? Well, I think I've said in a couple of different interviews, the one thing, and I said it at my banquet the other night, and I started to cry, and I won't do it on the phone with you, uh, but... You it's, know, all right. it's all right it's, if you want to uh, shed a tear. Look, man, when you're coaching and you've been coaching as long as I am and I'm 50 years old, you know, obviously it's nice to, to do these kind of interviews because we're where we won. And it's nice to hear, you know, congratulatories on your great season and being CIF champs and those kinds of things. And those things are great. I don't want to diminish that or sound so arrogant that it's not the case. And, oh, yeah, you've won a few. So it's just it's none of that. At my age, I've just realized that the winning part is great. I mean, when I was young, when I was young, I lived and died on every single win. And, and if we were bad, it was on me. And if we were good, it was me. You know, and as I've gotten older, I've realized that's not the case, man. I'm just one little cog, one little spoke on this big, big tire, you know. And so what's really, really important is uh, at my age anymore is – like I've said, man, is, is my players calling me and inviting me to their weddings and my players calling me and asking me to come to their kids first communion uh, and those kinds of things and watching these young men grow up and becoming young men. And with that, with this group in particular, we go from 17 wins and these kids kind of just all over the place, a little bit scared because we always play a good schedule as sophomores, like, Oh my God, we're playing this guy and this guy and this guy. And this team and that team. I remember playing at Orange Lutheran and Cameron Petty as a sophomore struck out. Uh, I think Garrett Mitchell, who's doing really well now at UCLA. And I remember Garrett or um, uh, Cameron coming off going, I just struck out a guy going to UCLA. And I'm like, really, bro? That's where we're at, you know? But you realize that's what these kids think, you know? And so to me, you can look at that in several different ways. And the way I look at it, most importantly, is they were afraid, man. They were afraid because they were big name kids and these guys were not committed anywhere and, and those kinds of things. And there was a nervousness. That's why we won 17 ball games. Then their, then their, their junior year, they, they grew into, I, I think we can win. I, I think maybe we should win, but I'm not a hundred percent sure we're going to win. And we make it to the quarterfinals and win 23 ball games. And I think we went 23 and six and I bet you uh, we lost two of those games to Orange Lutheran their junior year by one run in the last innings. Um, and, and I think, I don't know, four or five of those six losses were by one run. Uh, and that's heartbreaking for, for kids to, to then maturing into this year with this group. And I think there was a sense of, look, man, we're going to win and we're going to beat everybody. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, there were several games this year we should not have won, but we just out-talented the other group. And I think we maybe outwilled them, even though they kind of didn't play to their potential. They just were refusing to lose and thought they were going to win, and they were talented. 
and that and and watching that maturation of a young man go from being afraid to being uncertain to being certain is really honestly the reasons why you coach yeah it's a really neat progression and and you talked about cam there you know striking out garrett mitchell and let's stay on cam for a minute because this guy uh, I mean, you look at his numbers on the season and you look at the things he did down the stretch and, and it's really, really, uh, I mean, it's really impressive, Webb. I mean, 11-2 and two on the season, three saves, uh, you know, a 1-2-1 ERA, 93 strikeouts, 12 walks, you know, allowed only 14 or 15 earned runs all season. But it's what he did in the postseason that, yeah. in my opinion, really will make this guy go down as one of the legendary players in that program, right? I mean, he's 4-0 with a save. His He got a win in the quarters, a win in the semis, and a win in the finals. I mean, that is stuff. That, that's just, that's otherworldly stuff, right? Yes, it is. And you know what, with him in particular, you know, mind you, we make it to the quarterfinals last year. Uh, again, I know I said that. And Cameron did not start any of those games in the playoffs because Cameron, although Cameron had this best stuff to do that, Cameron emotionally, physically, not physically, but emotionally wasn't ready. He was a mess and I didn't, and I couldn't trust him. Um, and I told him that on several occasions and he was really mad that, uh, he thought he should have been our starter, but, um, I couldn't trust his ability to go out and calm himself and stay within himself and do those things and to watch him in particular, since we're on the subject of him to watch him kind of really grow this year, become unselfish, uh, become a real teammate and uh, understand that his role as the number one pitcher on this team was really vital more to than just himself. Um, and knowing that pitching is key and that he was in control to some degree of our whole destiny not just his own, um, and embracing that and understanding that, uh, again, is why you coach, you know, and, and it paid off in dividends. You know, it was funny after the first game against server, I pulled him over to the side the next day at practice. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're living and dying on every pitch. No, I'm not coach. No, I'm not. I go, Cameron, I'm telling you, you are, you're, you're panicking. I see you, the, the umpire, you slap the dirt, you hit your glove. I mean, that's uncharacteristic of you. I don't, I'm not doing that coach. And I, and I, my model always is I will never waste your time. So don't waste mine. I go, Cameron, I would not be telling you this if it wasn't true. Do you think I'm trying to hurt your feelings? Do you think I'm just making this up? No coach. I know you love me. That's right. So just listen to me. Um, and that's the relationship we have. And, and he understands that. And he's being a young man and being defensive at first, but Look, man, he turned the corner, and he's been spectacular, man, spectacular. Yeah, there are there are few guys that I think I can put on the same level with him as it pertains to just competitiveness. I mean, here, here's a guy, even when he doesn't have it going for him, uh, you know, that guy just absolutely competes. And you saw a little bit of that last year in the semifinal at the National Classic there at Cal State Fullerton. 
think yeah. it was against Valley Christian. Yeah, and, it was. And, and, you know, he came out. He didn't have his best stuff that night, but that game really showed me at least, like, holy smokes, this guy is about as competitive as they come, right? Because, I mean, he didn't have his best stuff, but he kept you guys in that game. And, you know, late run ends up winning it for Valley. But, uh, I mean, it was that was just a really impressive outing for me that kind of told me, okay, this is a guy – to take note of and the other guy for me uh you know is a guy that i saw last year against lakewood for you over at your place and that's wozniak now that guy's made some growth over the last year that really really projects well for future right but i mean you know last year he was kind of a little you know a little soft around the edges a little bit of a little bit of a thumber but you know this year he really that outing against capital valley you told him before the game like we're going to try to pound in and go soft away that guy executed the game plan to perfection he did and, and yes he has he has made great great strides too um and, and to go back for a second you're right about cameron and cameron is one of the most competitive guys i've coached in a long long time um but yet was to go back to was 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 is uh he's never going to wow you with anything the, the radar gun's never going to light up but that guy has been such a bulldog for us and over the last two years and he thinks he's better than he is and that's nine tenths of the battle man uh and i keep telling him he's better than he is um i'm trying to feed that thing and uh our coaching staff has done a good job mike morrison has done a great job with our pitchers um and then we have we were lucky to have adam wilk come in this year ex big leaguer ex uh, cif division player of the year um who, who played for me as well back in 05 and 06. And, you know, he's left-handed. Those guys are a little weird. You know, left-handers, they think a little differently. <laughs> so those two really connected and vibed together and, um, and, and all of that. And so, um, you know, th- those, those things helped. And, and, and his growth with Cameron and obviously his success as the season went on to whatever he ended up being, what, 10 or 11-0 and 0 himself. Yeah, I think he was 11-0. and 0. Yeah, 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 is, you know, unbelievable, yeah. And we're grateful we got him back one more year. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You you have him coming back. You, you know, you obviously lose a, a pretty significant core of seniors, uh, you know, and those guys are all, most of those guys moving on to play college ball at some level, uh, you know, but you do bring back some, some players of note, you know, obviously Waz, who you touched on, Noah Carter comes back for you, Peter Worth comes back for you. Uh, obviously, uh, freshman Luke Davis, who came up big on Saturday uh, at the plate, comes back for you. You know, wh- what are you looking forward to next year? You know, obviously, you, you got to start the process over, and it's a different team, new cast of characters. But as you look ahead, what what sort of things are you looking forward to from the guys that you have returning that are current starters, and then guys that you're going to expect to kind of fill in some of the gaps? Well, it's already started to believe it or not. The next day, you know, I'm pulling these uh, juniors aside and, and, uh, you know, congratulating them again. And then reminding them that, you know, we're, we, this is Cyprus, man. We, we have to continue to do what we do. And that doesn't mean we're going to win a championship or not, but like, we gotta, we gotta start thinking about next year and, and how important it is to those guys to be leaders. And, and not get so caught up in, hey, I'm a champion, and you guys were on the JV team last year, and I'm better than you. And I've already started that process with these guys, um, and that you know these kids are going to follow them, and that these guys have to stick together 
as a, as a group and then bring these other guys in uh, and really try to mold them under the umbrella of what we, the way we do things, you know? And so we've kind of started that our freshmen, our JV team started four freshmen. They played the exact same schedule we did and they were 17 and two, I think it was. Um, so our JV group's a good group and there's some good freshmen in that group. So the incoming freshman class is really talented. So there's going to be opportunities for people. And I look forward to, um, to getting back at it, you know, when we get back in August and I don't do anything in the summer, but when we get back in August and, and start coaching these young kids and seeing if we can blend these guys together and see what we can do. Yeah, no doubt. You talk about not doing anything in the summer web and, you know, obviously most of your guys will go off and play with club teams and, uh, you know, they, they get different instruction potentially and, and whatnot, different voice, certainly, you know, what's your take on that? How important is that for players, at least in, you know, the high school kind of age of maybe hearing different voices, you know, hearing different points of view on the game itself and how that impacts their growth? Well, I think it's vital. You know, I know there's a lot of um, travel ball haters out there. Uh, I'm not necessarily a lover of travel ball, um, but I think that travel ball has a lot of value. Um, And look, man, I've been telling kids this for a long time and I use it in my own life. Um, I think you can get something from every conversation you have with someone. And it doesn't always have to be, and everyone always thinks of that, like, oh, I'm going to get some wise information from you. I might get some information from you that's, that reminds me that I don't want to do that or that I've already tried that and I don't want to do that. Um, but I'm going to be respect, re- respectful to, to the conversation. But there's something to be gained from that conversation, good, bad, or indifferent. And, and having a voice uh, and, and, and then going and playing uh, a travel ball with another voice um, and hearing how to do things differently. Look, man, it's the old adage of there's more than one way to skin a cat. Um, and, and you might be speaking a different language than I am, but yet our point is exactly the same. And if that makes it click for my kid, then I'm all for it, man. You know, so I, I, I really value the summer part. I need a break from the kids. Um, and quite frankly, they probably need a real break for me too. Um, and so for them to go and do some things differently and play freer and be able to wear their pants down over the pants. I mean, over their shoes um, and, and not be as uniformed as the way we do things, I, I think is good for them. That little freedom is nice. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And it's like everything else, right? I mean, it, it's, it's difficult to just because there's one bad experience with one individual of a particular group to label the whole group that way. Yeah. And, for, and unfortunately, I think that's, kind of the relationship between travel ball and high school coaches has gone down that path because one guy screwed up something along the way for one guy, you know, it seems to be kind of trickling down and a lot of guys, you know, are taking a a, a negative approach or attitude towards the other. And I'm with you, man. I think it's beneficial for players and uh, you know, I mean, Hey, a different voice is a different voice. And it's like you said, it's different ways to skin a cat. But the, and the other point to that is, look, there's there's some bad travel ball coaches out there. I'm not going to name them, but there's some bad ones. But at the end of the day, it's it's the other part of the growing process for these young men. I tell them, like our pitchers in particular, look, you should not be pitching in the summertime. I just had this conversation with Waz last night. You threw 70 innings this year, more more than you've ever thrown in your life in one in one season. 
You know, you need to, you need to, if you're going to go and pitch this summer, you should not pitch more than three innings. You should not pitch. Um, you should not pitch in three days. You know, well, there's first day off second day and third day. You should not do that. Not, not at this point. And some, and so I think it really helps if the kid starts to say uh, politely coach, no, I don't want to do that. And it doesn't mean that he's not a, a good teammate. Doesn't mean that he doesn't want his team to win. He's looking out for himself and he wants to make sure the team wins too, but He's making sure he doesn't hurt himself. And there's some coaches that do that. And there's a lot of good ones that don't do that. Um, but it also helps a young man start to turn into a man and have to say no. Yeah, I agree. And that's the big thing, right, is is the ability for those young men, like you said, to grow into a man and stand up for what they know is right for them rather than having somebody tell them that. That's uh, right. Webb, Webb, uh, one last thing for me. Has it sunk in for you yet when I say Division One CIF Southern Section Championship Coach John Weber. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I uh, I've been not asked that in particular, but people have asked me if it's sunk in. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've said this. Um, if if I could if I could coach another sport that wasn't during the spring, I would sign me up right away and never be a baseball coach again. Being a high school teacher, end of the year, all of this stuff. Um, having to, you know, answer emails to parents, why Tommy's or Elizabeth or whatever their names are is filling my class now. Cause they're concerned all of a sudden at the end of the year that the kid's not going to graduate and, 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 and all of this. And I don't want to put aside all of that, but, you know, answering the million text messages and all those kinds of things, which is all great. And I'm so grateful that I, that I get those, but I really haven't had a second to sit down and really just in a quiet space and just really try to soak it in. Uh, I'm planning on doing that tomorrow. I've been in my office all day today doing paperwork, already people asking me about fall ball. I'm trying to get that going. Um, and, and all these things. I, and I had my banquet on Saturday or Sunday right afterwards, which I hadn't done anything for. So I really honestly, I haven't had a second to just sit back, you know, with my homies and just sit down and go, man, look at this, look what we did. Uh, but it's going to come here soon. I know as soon as we're done with graduation, all that, my daughter graduates in two days. I'm stressing out about that and making sure her, we have her party set up and, and, and all of that and, and, and get my grades done. And so I, it really hasn't quite sunk in yet, but I can just tell you this. I'm stupendously proud of to be a centurion, uh, to be a part of this high school and the support that our administration gives us as coaches. I mean, shoot. Our softball team, Division Two CIF champions, Saturday early in the afternoon. Then we go to Dodger Stadium. We win it there in baseball, um, and the support of the community that was there, and all the alumni that was there. Some old alumni that I never even coached. Uh, it's rewarding. It's grateful. I am grateful for that, without a doubt. Um, and uh, I, I guess that's about all I can say about that. Well, well, as a fan of high school baseball and as you know, somebody I consider you a friend, I can tell you that I'm incredibly happy for you, incredibly proud of your guys because I know some of the things they've overcome here the last couple of years. So, you know, thank you for making time to come on and just know that the baseball community is really, really excited and happy for you and your players. Uh, so thank you for, again, for making some time to come on and chat with us a little bit. No problem, Les. Thank you. And I say it to you every time. Uh, 
high school sports, baseball in particular, doesn't get all the love that it needs to get. Uh, it's not a big revenue sport. So I'm so jacked and excited that there's publications like you guys um, that are out there grinding every day and really, really, really are the voice for what we do as coaches on a daily basis. So I'm grateful to call you a friend and grateful to, uh, to have you doing what you're doing, man. I can't thank you enough for that, Webb. Really appreciate it. And I can't wait to catch up with you in person again, and, and uh, we'll see you real soon. You got it. We've got to get some golf in really quick. Sure yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Before December. Amen. Amen. I'd like to thank Eric Morton of Great Oak, Chris Malik of Santa Margarita, and John Weber of Cypress for coming on and sharing a little insight into their team's quest towards a championship. Be sure to check out PrepBaseballReport.com for all your news, information, and updates. And until next time, we'll see you at the yard.